The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. How about that? How about that? Hope you're having a good day today. It's hump day. Welcome to the hump day edition of the yard. Couple of scheduling notes. I will be attending the Lillian Axe show in Mandeville, Louisiana at the Hideaway this Saturday. Many of you say, hey, Steve, I'd love to go to a show. Be able to hang out. Well, that's where I'm going to be. So if you're in that neck of the woods on the North Shore, or maybe you're an old Lillian Axe fan like me, you can come out and check them out. First show of the new tour, the new album uh, from Womb the Tomb, due out uh, later this month, I guess is right. Eager to see those guys. Also, the next Saturday, August 20th, I will be at the Mississippi Book Festival in Jackson, Mississippi. Very honored to be involved in every bit of that. Really, really excited for that. Now, I will be on the sports panel. That's going to be at 930 there in the Capitol. And then we'll have a little book signing event there at 11. What's interesting, too, is I'm the only Mississippi State guy. It's a four-person panel. I'm the only Mississippi State guy from what I understand. You'll be uh, interested to know that one of the other panelists is former Ole Miss Chancellor Robert Kayat. So that should make for some interesting uh, dialogue, shall we say. No, I expect the things to go well. But uh, if you're in the central Mississippi area and you're going to come out to the book festival, come by and say hello again. That sports panel will be 9.30 a.m. Saturday morning with uh, book signing at 11. So I'm very, very honored to be a part of that. I mean, really am. Uh, we didn't do it in 2020. I would see. I went to see. When, when did I go? I guess it was 19. I don't remember. I've, this is a couple times that I've been. I've been invited to go, and so they uh, they do the sports panel, and a lot of people involved with this production, and I'm very grateful to be involved with it, but also to to celebrate. Mississippi's literary heritage. There will be a lot of people that will come out and be a part of this, a lot of big-time authors. Uh, listen, Alice Walker is going to be there. You say, well, Steve, who's Alice Walker? Um, well, the color purple, right? I was there a few years ago. Simon Rushdie was there, and some people wondered who was the, uh, you know, maybe the most hated guy there, me or Simon Rushdie. But uh, good group. Come out. Come check us out. Again, just a couple things coming up. I wanted to keep you guys surprised of that. We'll be scheduling some book signings during the fall. We'll do some game day stuff. So if you're coming to a Mississippi State football game, chances are you can come by and see me and uh, and get some books signed. If, if, if you can't, let me encourage you to go to dogpilethebook.com and you can sign copies of Dogpile, Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Star Villains. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, you can find it on Amazon. They, they recently... Uh, having their summer sale, they've reduced the price there, so perhaps you buy it there. Buy it through your local bookstore. would encourage you to do so. Uh, and as always, if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, we've had a big run of that as of late. Shared a graphic recently, and I guess people have forgotten how cool those shirts look. Go to StarkVillains.com, and you can get those lined up too. A lot of you are looking for, hey, what's the best thing to wear? 
I need a t-shirt knowing it's going to be warm. You can get a long sleeve or a short sleeve shirt at StarkVillains.com. A lot to talk about today. We've uh, had a couple of really good days of practice, so we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, today, give you some observations on both offense and defense. And then we're going to do another team preview. This time it's going to be a, a team that Mississippi State's going to play this year. A team that's kind of near and dear to my heart. I, people have said that I've been a Kentucky hater. I don't know that I'm a Kentucky hater. I think I'm more of a Kentucky realist. But occasionally they uh, they make me look a little silly, I guess. But um, that's kind of where we are. And uh, that's kind of the layout of today's show. But, uh, again, a very spirited week of practice. I guess we started last Friday. Today will be the last day before the mandatory day off. You know, the NCAA requires that the, the players have a day off of sorts. But uh, that, that day off will be tomorrow. So Friday will be a little bit of a different format for us. We won't do uh, you know, practice observations. And if you're looking for the best coverage of Mississippi State Athletics, go to jeanspage.com. A lot of free content over there. Video interviews, written interviews, some analysis. And also, too, there's a lot of recruiting stuff coming up, as you guys are well aware. On Friday, Chris Parson, Mississippi State's top priority at quarterback, will announce his decision. He released a top four today. Of course, Mississippi State uh, involved in every bit of that. Was it Mississippi State, TCU, SMU, Virginia Tech? That's a Final Four. Florida State not mentioned. Nor would you expect him to be? We fully expect him to be a Bulldog come Friday. So that's Friday afternoon. Paul Jones will take the day off from helping us cover football camp to kind of provide coverage for that. We'll have some stories kind of written and ready to go. But this is a very significant development for Mississippi State. We've been talking about this now for a few weeks, and I've told you guys over the course of the last couple weeks, I fully expect Chris Parson to be a Bulldog. And now we're just days away from him making that announcement. And uh, my confidence in Mississippi State's positioning with Chris has never been higher. So this could be a huge, huge week for Mississippi State recruiting. And then his good friend Santana Fleming, who was uh, talking about joining him at Florida State, really kind of down at three schools right now, Louisville, Mississippi State, and Auburn. And certainly if he and Chris are as close as we uh, have heard they are, then Mississippi State should be in a good position and improve that positioning uh, come Friday. So again, we do expect Chris Parson to announce for Mississippi State Friday. You can watch it live. How about that? 247 Sports. We have the rights to Chris's announcement. And so he's going to do uh, you know, a little video presentation that will air on our streaming platform. And you can come to jeanspage.com, whether you're a subscriber or not, and watch that. How cool is that? Again, we're, trying, we're doing our best to give you the best coverage in every aspect. And uh, again, we make a lot of that stuff free, but there's a lot of you know, the ins and outs, the behind-the-scenes stuff that we kind of keep behind the paywall. You're missing out if you're not a part of that. And we've got some great posters, too. And we don't always agree. I mean, we, we are not just Pollyannas over at jeanspage.com. We'll give you room to say what you want. And I'm not going to let you insult players. I'm not going to do that. But uh, it, is, it is a place that uh, a lot of people share ideas and opinions that don't always jive. And that's okay. We all want the same things. We just may disagree on how to get there. You know, and so uh, I think it's important to understand that it hasn't always been the case with us. You know, there have been some times in the past where people decided, hey, you know, if you don't agree with me, we've got to delete your post. It's just not how we're doing it. Not under my direction anyway. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. If you're looking for direction, they can give you some. They can direct you to some fine cuisine at a very affordable price, give you good portions. 
not going to slip in any hidden fees on your check either. That, that really irritates me when I go somewhere. It's like, hey, I'm going to get my, my regular meal, and I'll, oh, it's more expensive. Well, why is it more expensive? Oh, we're charging you a convenience fee, or we're charging you a seating fee, or we're charging you a long hair fee, or a tattoo fee, whatever. I don't like paying extra fees. It'd be one thing if you're giving me something extra. You're not. Bulldog Burger Company, integrity in pricing there. They're just not going to do it. And I respect them for it. A lot of people out there like, hey, we're incurring some new costs. We're going to pass it on to the consumers. That's what they're doing. You expect some of that. But goodness, man, every time I turn around, it's like everything I've got is more expensive. I know that I can go to Bulldog Burger Company, though, and have my favorites at the price I've always paid for. Find your own favorites. Have a great restaurant-quality hamburger. Have that BLT salad. I prefer it grilled. You may like it fried. I'm not going to judge. I get it fried sometimes, too, very rarely. I like it grilled. I try to be a little more health-conscious, and you can be at Bulldog Burger Company. You can have a cheat day or you can have a healthy day. It just depends on you, whatever you want to do. They've got a meal that fits whatever your fancy is. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridge and Flowood area. Be sure and go check them out. Get that chocolate shake to go. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Let's talk some Bulldog offense. Now, before we get started, let me give you the pit guys. Okay, so the pit guys are guys that dress for practice that don't fully participate in practice. Now, you, you, you don't get injured and then just, like, sit around unless you're seriously injured. Of course, all this is handled under the direction of, of the Mississippi State medical staff. But a handful of guys in the pit yesterday, which usually means they're just a little bit nicked up. You know, maybe it's a hamstring issue, maybe they get a little ding in the shoulder, you know, something like that that doesn't prevent them from having some type of physical activity, but maybe they're not ready for contact. Does that make sense? All right, so a handful of guys in the pit yesterday. Uh, Scooby Ford has been in there the last few days. We thought he might go back on the field yesterday, so perhaps he's ready to go today. We'll see. We'll give you an update over there at jeanspage.com on a true maroon board. Uh, Jordan Davis has been a full participant in practice, but um, he ended up in the pit yesterday for a little while. Nothing serious in what we're told. J.P. Purvis, another guy that's been a full participant in practice, uh, he was in the uh, the pit yesterday too. Uh, Let me think here. There was one other guy. There's a walk-on too, a walk-on running back, Keon Roberson or Robertson? I think it's Roberson. I don't know if he's related to Kendall, but uh, out of Wesley Chapel, Florida, he is a freshman uh, walk-on running back. He was also uh, in the pit yesterday. And, yes, Cannon Boone, Cannon Boone, the uh, reserve center, working his way back from uh, ACL surgery there in the offseason. So not exactly sure when he'll be full go. But those guys were in the pit yesterday. So at practice, but not full participants. Just think it's important to understand that as I run through some of these, you know, positional breakdowns and updates. If you don't hear those names called, then you'll understand why. You know, and a guy like Scooby Ford, too, you know, we know what he can do, but with the depth at wide receiver, you know, we really want him out there because he provides some, you know, some competition at those positions, but also, too, it's a guy that can really help us. So we'd like to see him get healthy and uh, have him out there. And, again, he was out there the first day and a half, I guess, or so. But for the last three days of practice, or maybe two and a half days of practice, he has been in the pit. So just something to kind of watch as we move forward. Now, let's talk quarterbacks. Okay, so Will Rogers is head and shoulders ahead of everybody else. I read sometimes with great interest 
about some of these reports. Like, oh, I talked to a guy that texted a guy who has a friend that was a trainer at Mississippi State years ago, and he knows the water boy who's dating this girl. You know, there's all this convoluted conversation out there at times. I can tell you from firsthand accounts, I'm there, okay? Will Rogers is the quarterback. I know Mike Leach said there is a quarterback competition. There's really not a quarterback competition. Now, he may not officially name Will the starter, but we all know it's going to be Will Rogers barring some type of injury. Will is having a good camp. Not a perfect camp. There are times that, you know, like yesterday, we had a situation where he and a receiver maybe saw something differently, had a different read. The receiver cuts the route off, and then Will throws a pick. And uh, uh, Dylan Lawrence skies and makes a very athletic play there. That's a guy, too, you need to be mindful of, too. We get into the defensive back discussion. But Will is the quarterback. Now, Sawyer had a better day yesterday than he had maybe on Monday. On Monday, you know, Sawyer's had a problem not just Monday but a few days where, like, he'll go to throw the football and the ball will slip out the backside of his hands. That's a fumble, right? That happened a couple times yesterday, too. He had another time where there was a ball batted up and John Lewis picked it off. But Sawyer also threw some dimes yesterday, too. I mean, you can see why. And also, to his mobility, he is more mobile than Will. Now, among the quarterbacks, you've got a bunch of them, right? you got a handful of them. You know, Chance Lovertich is still part of this program, of course. You know, Brayden Locke is here. Daniel Greek is there. Uh, got the walk-on, a couple walk-ons here and there. Those guys are involved in Pascals. They're involved in positional drills. They're involved in, uh, you know, the team kind of slow, um, smaller – drills you know sometimes we'll just go you know receivers versus dbs we'll do like half the field kind of do a three or four man game uh and so they're involved in all that but once we go to 11 v 11 it is will rogers and then sawyer robertson and again will is the guy i want to make sure that we drive that point home and i don't know i'll be honest with you guys i I get a little frustrated at times i don't know will rod what will rogers has to do to earn the respect of the full fan base I mean, the guy's going to throw for over 5,000 yards this year. You can say, you know what, Steve? Yeah, we need to get off the better starts in ball game. That is absolutely correct. And some of that's will. And some of that's the fact that people show some wrinkles early on that maybe perhaps we didn't see on film. we got to get off the better starts. We can't keep chasing the ball game. But that's not always on will. You know, I don't know. There was a better fourth quarter, 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 quarter quarterback in the SEC unless it's Bryce Young last year. But Sawyer Robertson's time will come. This is not it. But there may come a time this year that we need Sawyer Robertson to step in and make a play for us. And so I think he's capable of doing so. I do think he is uh, the future of Mississippi State. I know that Chris Parson uh, is expected to commit on Friday, but I also know that uh, Chris is going to understand he's not going to come in here and play as a freshman. It's not going to happen. That's part of the developmental process. But Will is the guy. And uh, I do, again, I I touched on this on Monday. Will's leadership skills are readily apparent right now. He leads everybody, including other quarterbacks. He leads the offense. Yesterday, Katravian Hargrove had three consecutive drops. Three. The, The first one was probably the worst one. The very next play, Will goes right back to him. Right back to him, and that's the message you're sending is like, hey, you're still my guy. Just hang in here. Let's go. Comes out in a bit of an angle route. He clears traffic, and Will hits him in stride. He drops the football. Jason Washington loses it. We pull him. He works his way back in. 
We swing it out to him in the flats. He misses another one. Practice is over. The very first guy that Will Rogers went to was Katravian Hargrove. The very first guy. Went over there, flaps him on the helmet. Hey, you're my guy, right? That kind of stuff's big. When you've got a guy that's had a tough practice, maybe loses confidence a little bit, you need a guy like Will Rogers. You need that leader, the guy that's throwing in the football to go over there and say, hey, I'm coming back to you. Get ready. I'm coming back to you. That, to me, shows some maturation in Will Rogers. I mean, Will gets it. Will's from a football family. But also, too, when you've got a young guy that's hurting a little bit, you need to love up on him some. Because at some point, you're going to need that guy to make a play for you, right? And so if you sit here and just let him get beat on and beat on and beat on, and more importantly, let him beat up himself, it's not good for him. It's not good for the team. So really appreciate Will doing that. It was a cool thing to see. Not that you'd expect anything different from Will Rogers, but I thought it was important for you guys to know that. All right, speaking of running backs, Dylan Johnson, not at practice yesterday. He's missed the last couple. Uh, Now a father. Congratulations, Dylan Johnson, everybody involved in that deal. Expect Dylan to be back today. But with Dylan Johnson out, there was more reps to go around, so Hargrove got a few more reps. And I tell you, running the football, that kid looks really good. That's a guy that gets his shoulders north and south, runs behind his pads. You've heard all the cliches before, but he is that big physical guy. Doesn't necessarily have maybe the wiggle some other guys do. He's more of a one-cut runner, but he will run you over. Guy really runs with some power. There's a place for him. That's the thing about our running backs room. Everybody's a little bit different. They all just play their game. And I like it. I like the diversity of the running back group. But the guy to me that's had the best week of practice at running back is Simeon Price. And I don't think it's close. And that is not a shot at Woody Marks. I mean, you, you know what you expect. with Woody's Woody, right? You know exactly what you're going to get from Woody. You know the excellence that he plays with. And you look at the leaps and bounds that he grew with last year. You know, as a freshman, he just couldn't make that first guy miss. Last year, he could make a miss and run over him. You know, so if I don't mention Woody, it doesn't mean that Woody's not playing well. It's just we're getting exactly what we expect to get out of Jaquavius Marks. That guy's a really good player, right? Absolutely. And so maybe that guy doesn't flash as much because you look at it and say, hey, that's just Woody being Woody. But Simeon Price on Monday and Tuesday was absolutely outstanding. Explosive, man, explosive. He's a former wide receiver. We go get him out of high school. He was a former South Carolina commitment. and had the coaching change, and Will Muschamp is fired, and they hire Shane Beamer. You know, Beamer and those guys tried to keep Ra-Ra and Simeon Price. Now, you know Ra-Ra well because he made some plays last year. But you don't know Simeon Price as well because he got injured last year. Played a little bit, ended up getting injured, and didn't play down the stretch. This kid has been explosive in camp. And I think he adds a different dimension to this running back room. I think he is more explosive. I think in a foot race, he probably wins that race. But I think his time at wide receiver has made him more valuable at running back because he can navigate through traffic. He's not just going to go out there and just try to run through people. He can make some people miss. And then when he does, he's more times than not, he's going to win the foot race of the end zone. So, again, I don't expect him to get a ton of carries this year, but I do think that he is a guy that, number one, can spell DJ and Woody and keep them fresher later in ball games. But also, too, I think he's a real weapon. He's not just kind of a casualty soaker. You know what I'm saying? He's not a guy that's just going to, you know, protect your, your, your premium guys. I think he adds a dimension to this offense maybe we don't have. So I'm eager to see what he can do, you know, uh, when the band is played. The wide receiver room, again, I, this is the deepest unit. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe. 
by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. Got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Okay, I know that Mikhail Polk left. I know Malik Heath transferred. This wide receiver group is outstanding. And you see it every single day. Every single day. And these young guys that are coming on, Janoris Hobson, absolutely cleaned out a DB in a drill the other day that may even have the defensive coaches hollering. Then he makes a big, tough catch yesterday. Goes down, makes a tough run at his feet. The kid's going to be a player. Will he be a player this year? I don't think so. But this is a guy you can really watch. Xavier Thomas, a guy that really flashed early in camp. A guy that's willing to go make the difficult catch. Makes catches in traffic. I like this young group. This young nucleus of guys. They're going to be good. They are. But the guy yesterday that stood out to me the most, Rufus Harvey. Rufus has got five career catches at Mississippi State. You know, he missed a lot of time in 2020. You know, they had the contact tracing and all that kind of stuff. And then he had the hamstring issue for a while. He played a little bit last year, and he flashed. And you're thinking, okay, well, he's finally going to make plays. He's having a great camp. And I thought yesterday was his best day in camp, even though he's in limited contact yellow. He really looked good yesterday. And the thing about him, he's not the biggest guy, but he's got a great catch radius. The guy just simply gets open. And some of the DBs will tell you, like you're talking to Jalen Green. He goes, I love defending Rufus because he's small and quick and he's amazing at the top of his routes. The guy's a great route runner. 
You saw that in high school. And let's be honest, nobody in high school sticking routes. Rufus was. That first day of Mississippi-Alabama All-Star practices, I think he really really kind of served notice that he was an underappreciated recruit in the state. And Steve Spurrier loved him, so they go and got him right here down the road. And I think in some respects he's been underutilized. And, again, you know, 2020 he wasn't always available. It wasn't always his fault. I mean, you had the stupid contact tracing rules, and we've learned a lot since then, right? But last year he gets on the field a little bit. The guy just gets open. And the thing that I saw yesterday, you know, Will's having to throw that ball in some tighter passing windows because the play your secondary is better. And there's Rufus going up into traffic, elevating, making difficult catches. I love the kid's game, and I'll be honest with you, I wasn't on the Rufus-Harvey bandwagon in the beginning. I'm just going to be honest with you. I just worried a little bit about his size. And listen, all my kids, with one exception, are going to be Starville High School alums, right? And so I go see these kids play. I hear about them all the time, right? And there were a lot of people in Starville really, really pushing for Rufus. And I thought, you know what, maybe this is a G5 guy that we're maybe taking a chance on because he's a local kid. But now that I've seen him out there running around a little bit, I I think it would have been a mistake not to take him. But now that we have him, let's utilize him a little bit more. And hopefully he can stay healthy, and hopefully he can get out there and make some plays. And that's the thing that I think about, about Mississippi State seasons of, of the past, is, you know, we might have some decent receivers with the first-team group, but there was a sizable gap between the first team and the second team. I just don't think that's the case with this group. I mean, this is – I wish you guys could come to practice. You can't, but I wish you could. We're doing our best. You know, we, we post a few videos every day. We're doing our best to kind of bring you in, be your eyes and ears of practice. But if you saw this group in drills, not just you know, running against air, the competing in tight coverage and going up making the contested catch. You would be elated about the prospects of this season. But Rufus, I thought, was outstanding. Caleb Duckin continues to impress in camp. And the thing I love about Caleb, and I wrote this yesterday, is he doesn't care. He don't care. It's like, hey, you're, you know, you're from Rolling Fork, Mississippi. I don't care. Well, you didn't qualify out of high school. I don't care. Went to Holmes County Community College and had nine career catches. Had one, had one college catch under his belt as a freshman at Holmes when we offered him. You talk about a diamond in the rough. And then last year he played a little bit, you know. Was explosive at times. And now all of a sudden it's like, hey, well, you know, hey, you're a kid from the Delta that was under-recruited and you went to play at a junior college that doesn't throw the football. He's like, I don't care. He, he doesn't. He, I mean, it's like he's doing things that he shouldn't be doing. And I've read the comment, well, Steve, every year we hear about some guy that's great in camp and doesn't produce. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I'll be shocked if Caleb Ducking joins that group, though. You know, we had Javante Payton a couple years ago. He was a big hero in camp making the contested catch, that sort of stuff. And it didn't ever translate into the game field. And he made a couple plays at Tennessee, and everybody's like, oh, we underutilized him. I think he had the same number of catches at Tennessee as he did at Mississippi State. Caleb Ducky, though, is cut from a different cloth. That guy is long, lean, athletic. His catch radius is next level. The guy's ridiculous, and he just doesn't care. He's, he, I'm not, I mean, he's not you know, participating. I'm not, I mean, he didn't have a good attitude. I'm just telling you, like, he is playing well beyond his pedigree. You know what you're getting with Austin Williams. You know what you're getting with Jaden Wilder. You needed somebody to step up, right? 
And so you're beginning to see Caleb Ducking step up. Justin Robinson, that's another guy too. Trimmed up a little bit. He's looked good in practice. I feel good about the group. I think Ra Ra's having the best camp of his career so far. It's good to get him back. He was outstanding over the weekend. This was Saturday's practice. He was phenomenal. You know, Friday, Mike Leeds said, ah, oh, which is average today. Saturday, he was so well above average, he probably should have uh, you know, probably should have got an award or something. He was outstanding. And that's the thing, too. When you, when you play up to expectations, maybe you don't always get praised. When you don't reach expectations, you're going to hear about it. But I like the group. Now, offensive line, you know, I, again, I have read some other things that other people have shared. Albert Reese is the right tackle. There's not a position battle. We're not, we're not having to figure it out in camp. He's the right tackle. He was a tackle in the spring. He's a tackle now. Now, when they switch the unit around, you know, when they, it's like, hey, we bring the first-team guys in the second team. But every the guy that's taking the first-team reps at right tackle is Albert Reese. Now, we do move it around a little bit on the left side. I do believe that Dollar Bill, one weekend, has the leg up at left tackle. He said, but Steve, he was at times our most penalized lineman last year, and he, and he was. And then, you know, Scott Lashley kind of took that spot. But, um, but Dollar Bill was athletic enough to play left tackle. Percy figured it out. Started to get some good things yesterday. He's a big, massive guy for sure. Uh, but Dollar Bill will get out there and fight you. And then Nick Jones, former East Mississippi Community College Lion, making a real push there at left guard. He's taking some first-team reps. And sometimes you look out there and there'll be Cole Smith and Nick Jones out there, and it's almost like you look at our offensive line, you got a couple big guys on the end and we're a little bit smaller in the middle, but those guys have great reach. And they've got some toughness about them. And LaQuinson Sharp, we almost take that guy for granted, man. That guy's really good. He's really good. There was talk about him last year. Some NFL people inquired about him. He got another year of eligibility. He's coming back. And I do think that he's a guy that will be on the NFL roster this time next year. Maybe he's a practice squatter. Maybe he's a UFA. I don't know. But I don't think he's done playing football after this year. But we, are, we do. We take him for granted sometimes. That guy can really play. You remember he was a guard when he got here. He's a little bit undersized. He's kind of limited in pro potential when it comes to projections because he is going to be a center. But I like him. I do, and I, I, like the, I like the early returns from the offensive line. It's like we read all this stuff about left tackle, and we write it too, and it's not, because, it's not because the guys aren't doing well. It's just because that is where a position battle is at a very important position of need, and that one's not really settled. You know, we're not settled at left guard either. You know, is that Cam Jones or is Cam going to play somewhere else? You know, Cam's that guy who can play up and down the line. And so, but because of the fact that the, the blindside protector is probably one of the most three premium positions in all football, you know, we talk about that. And again, I think it's important to understand we're not saying that either guy's playing poorly because that's not true. We're just not quite sure who's going to be the starter yet. And you guys understand that too. You understand the emphasis there is on left tackle. We just had a first round draft pick. We had a top 10 draft pick there, the left tackle. We're going to take a bit of a step back. How much of a step back remains to be seen. That doesn't mean we can't be good. We were elite last year at left tackle. Are we going to be elite left tackle? Probably not. We can still be good. And so I say that because, you know, we have some fans out there that are just waiting for something. Well, it's going to be a rough year. And I read that stuff sometimes, and I just – it makes me want to vomit. You're not even, you're not even there. You don't even see it. We say that left tackle is not settled. And it's like, oh, my gosh. 
Well, what'd you expect us to say? You thought we were going to be better after having a first-round pick at left tackle? We're not. We're not going to be better at left tackle. Doesn't mean we're not going to be good. We don't even have to be great. We just got to be good. We can be good. Not to mention, you know, last year, you know, we got kind of got spoiled at left tackle, and we got at times kind of run over at right tackle. We, I think we got the right tackle spot fixed. And really, that's the only real concern on, these, on the offense, in my mind. I think, the, again, the wide receiver room is deep and productive. The quarterback is prolific. The running back room is getting deeper. Now, all of a sudden, you're adding new dimensions with these younger guys that are kind of coming into their own. Offensive line, four out of five spots, I think we all feel great about. How many years have we been out there and said, oh, we got to get this, got to get that? You know, hey, there's always something. There's always something you got to focus on. I got a lot of faith in Mason Miller and that staff. People forget Mike Leach was an offensive line coach, too, before he was the air raid guru. He was an offensive line coach. And I've been in practice, in, in practice film review sessions and hearing, hey, this guy needs to do this, and this guy needs to be tighter here. The attention to detail is there. So I feel good about the direction of the offense. I will not be able to attend the scrimmages on the 13th through the 20th, but we're still going to have full coverage. Dave, Mike, Paul, hopefully Robbie will be there. Uh, we're still going to have full coverage of that. But I'm eager to see what this line looks at when we when a true scrimmage. And I think that's going to tell us a lot. I do. And, you know, we're going to slide some protections. We're going to move some people around. And we get the ball out quick. We don't do a lot of seven-step drops. There's a reason we, you know, we snap into the shotgun, right? So we can be quick getting the ball out of there. So, again, that's your offensive uh, update so far. And, again, it's going to be a different guy every day. And, and I get messages sometimes when I write this stuff is, hey, what about so-and-so? Well, they, they, they're doing good. They just didn't maybe flash as much as some other people did. You know, I wrote those articles uh, last couple of days called The Flash Report. Yesterday it was five who flashed. Today it's a Tuesday Flash Report. I plan to do it again tomorrow, probably every day in camp, just to let you guys know who the standouts were each day. And listen, you know, I, I go watch different drills, so I may miss some things. I know the other day I watched Jaden Wally make an incredible one-handed catch on the back line of the end zone right in front of the goalpost. I was just wowed by that. I was the only guy in the media that saw it because they were off watching something else. Because there's a lot that goes on during the practice. It's not like we're all just kind of sitting there together watching the same thing. So we kind of move around and bounce around, so you're going to see some different observations. But those are the guys in my mind that uh, have really looked good this week. You know, and again, there's not a personnel group on offense I look at and say, man, this is going to be trouble for us. Oh, my God, it's going to be trouble for us. I, I just don't feel that way. I will feel a whole lot better once I see us play a real game and see how we handle, you know, the left tackle spot. You know, because, again, we've gotten spoiled with Charles Cross and wish him the absolute best for the Seattle Seahawks. All right, time for today's uh, top 10 list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. You know Blair Chandler. He's my friend, your friend. He's a friend to all. It's good to have good friends. It's also good to have friends that uh, have some, some know-how in some industries that perhaps maybe we're not quite as well-versed. Blair works in the mortgage industry. Blair keeps his nose to the ground, always looking for deals, always looking for ways to get you to a closing table. Visit him at CloseWithBlair.com at C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Get that up on your ladder of awareness. Because a lot of times it's like, oh, well, I listen to these ads sometimes and they don't really apply to me. At some point, you're going to need to refinance your home. At some point, you're going to want to buy a home. At some point, 
you're going to think, you know what, there's some things that I want to do. I need to deal with a mortgage professional. Well, look no further than Blair Chandler. Let me give you his personal cell number. It's 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Huge Mississippi State guy, but he'll do business with anybody. Absolutely will. And if you mentioned to him you heard about him on the boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. That's a cool value right there. It's about 500 bucks. A lot of fees associated with getting a mortgage from origination to closing. Blair can hold your hand the whole way through it. So you're for an atypical borrower with a non-conforming property. There's always something. Blair's a guy that can get you to the closing table. 21 years in the industry, top 1% close ratio in the country in back-to-back years. Be sure and go check them out today at closewithblair.com. All right, today we're going on Roy's list. Roy had mentioned to me, you know, MTV turned 40. And, you know, I met, uh, what's his name, Alan Hunter? I met him. He was one of the early VJs on MTV. You know, it was Martha Quinn and Mark Goodman. And I remember China Cantner. Man, I had such a crush on her. Oh, my goodness. Um, but it was a good group. And uh, Alan Hunter married the sister of one of my teachers. And so in back in 84, we get back from a trip to Washington, D.C., and the Hunters were visiting the Dixon family. And uh, right across the street from our high school, and uh, Eric Hunter was gracious enough to come over and meet all of us and sign autographs and take pictures. Back in those days, we had those Kodak disc cameras. So we didn't have social media. So somewhere around here, I got a picture of me and Eric Hunter together. But those guys, I mean, they were, they were superstars to us, right? They were, they were playing our favorite songs, our, our favorite videos. And for a while there, there was only a handful of videos in circulation. And so they had to fill some time. And they were celebrities, man. We loved them. It was a great time in life. It was. And music was changing. You had a new vehicle with which to promote music. And a lot of these people, too, the chances of us seeing them play live were, were slim and none. So they'd have performance videos. Sometimes they'd have con- conceptual videos. Videos that told stories, and over time, the videos got more elaborate, and you had these huge budgets for these videos. It was incredible. It got to be such a huge thing, you couldn't wait. And they, they had these big MTV video music premieres, and they would like, okay, 8 o'clock on Saturday night, we're, pre, we're premiering the brand new Guns N' Roses video. And you would like go home and watch it, or you would, you would, if you could get your VCR program, you'd record it. That's how impactful this stuff was. And people wore MTV clothes. We were proud to be a part of the MTV generation. And then eventually it became a 24-hour, um, you know, hair care commercial channel. It's like we started doing less videos and we started doing more original programming. And then the real world started, which was great. And then there was like the real world spinoffs. And then now it's you know, 24 hours of ridiculousness and a case with the Jersey Shore. I mean, it's like always something, Right. I miss MTV. I do watch MTV Classic from time to time. I hadn't watched it in a while because I've been so busy. And sometimes I'll just be sitting there scrolling on my phone and I'll put it on. They'll have like an old uh, rock block or something and I can see some Judas Priest videos or some Guns N' Roses or maybe some old obscure stuff like XYZ or South Gang and people like that. And it reminds me of a simpler time in life. So we're going to take kind of a trip down memory lane today. And I'll tell you this, our old school jams from the other day, that list didn't go over well. So you guys are telling me, like every time that I try to do something like that, Roy's like, hey, you know, numbers didn't do good on that. So when we did our, our classic rock stuff, it does really well. We do some of our classic rap stuff, doesn't do so well. When we did our 504 rap thing, it was great. It was great. So we're kind of learning our lesson about that. So today we're going to do like classic videos, like songs that were like the subject of classic videos on MTV 
that were very innovative and really changed things. It's going to be a very diverse list, and there's a reason that I picked every one of these. So I didn't do uh, Electric Avenue, which I think was like one of the first videos that was in rotation on MTV, and it was everywhere. And, and Eddie Grant, I mean, the reason we know his name today is because of MTV. I mean, Electric Avenue really wasn't that great a song. It's good, don't get me wrong. But Eddie was like a guy from another planet, man. I mean, like you see him, and it's like he's so cool and got such a good vibe, and you're like, wow. I mean, it's not why I have dreads, but he had them. But it was like MTV opened, us, opened up the world to us. It made the world a smaller place. And so Eddie Grant, Electric Avenue, not making a list. Number 10 on the list, and I don't know why I have this one so late. I just like some other ones a little bit more. But it's the song Closer from Nine Inch Nails. That video is wild. Now, I remember, again, I think I've told you guys before, I think I was the first Nine Inch Nails fan in the state of Mississippi. Had that black cassette, a pretty hate machine. Loved it, man. Head Like a Hole was wild, too. That Broken Stuff was really good. March of the Pigs was good. But Closer was different. There's all there's some animation in there. There's just things technology changed, and I think Trent Reznor was a guy that was very receptive to that change and understood the importance of videos. And that was the thing too is like you wanted to watch this stuff because like you wanted it's like it wasn't just the songs. It was just so much uh, cinematography with this whole thing. And I think Nine Inch Nails Closer really brings that to you. And again, what's so funny? I, we mentioned this song on we've had a top ten Nine Inch Nails list and Closer has made a couple other lists. I had somebody else message me and said I didn't know the name of that song. I've always sang it, didn't know the name of it, because you know why. It's got it's got the uh, the money shot in the chorus, shall we say? Number nine, and this is a video too. This was very very groundbreaking at its time, because you know before like basically the only video footage you had accompanied by music was just like performance videos, right? They, they would record, you know, like whether it be you know the Grand Ole Opry or the Saturday Night Special or whatever. There was always something you know, where they would have like a performance video and then they would like share that again. Well, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody was different. All of a sudden you had different shots, you had different angles, and it was you know, produced there in a the studio. And it was great. And it's like you look back in, in time now and you're like, oh, this, you know, the song holds up, but the video production just wasn't that great. But at the time when we were seeing it, it's like, wow, how are they doing this? It was groundbreaking. So Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody, number nine on your list. Number eight, this is one of the more important songs and videos of my generation. And I'm from the 1900s, so I've been around a long time. It's Pearl Jam's Jeremy. Now, if you don't know much about the song, and if you don't know much about the story behind the song, I would encourage you to Google that. There is an Eddie Vedder interview that's probably from 92 or so, where he talks about the song. And he sat down to write, to read the newspaper, and there was a school shooting. And he was inspired to write this song about kind of a hypothetical school shooting. If you see the video, it's very powerful. I remember the very first time I watched it, I was blown away. And maybe that's not the, bright, the right use of words. But uh, let's just say that it was very impactful on me. And I love Pearl Jam. And when they hit the scene, I, you know, so they were kind of what I'd been looking for. And Jeremy is just one of those very, very powerful songs. And the video has these amazing images in it that really drive home the point. And basically, it's about a disenfranchised kid that doesn't have much of a home life at all. 
mom and dad just really don't pay him any attention. And um, he struggled. He struggled a lot and uh, ultimately shut up a classroom. And you see the video, and it's just one of those things that's just absolutely shocking. It's not graphic in that respect. It's not like it's exploitive. You know, they're not trying to, you know, cash in on that. It was just kind of one of those things about, you know, basically this is what happens. It's a mental health type thing for young people. And I encourage you to, if you're, if you're a person that feels that way or ever felt that way, please talk to somebody. Please do it. Don't throw your life away or anybody else's over a temporary situation because it is temporary. And I, I share this. I get emotional sometimes when I think about this. I, I was that troubled kid. I never thought about hurting anybody in that respect. But I was that guy that felt somewhat disenfranchised and disconnected. All of that was part of who I was and in some respects still am. But I just wish, now that I'm looking at life through the lens of adulthood, when I see all these kids, man, I just want to take them up and hug them. I just want to hug them and tell them it's not always going to be this way. You think that today, you think everything's the end of the world and everything, like your little circle of influence, circle of friends, these people are going to be with you forever. They're not. They're not. Life gets better the longer you live it. It just does. And listen, I'm a firm believer in the old John Cougar Mellencamp, too, that life goes on long after the thrill is gone, the thrill of living is gone. But when you're 18, 19 years old, and you, every, just, everything seems to be such a big deal. And I think in today's social media climate, I think that has somewhat been uh, escalated because now if somebody makes a mistake, it's viral. And it may not be viral on our timelines, but you know, for young people, it's like anything that happens today, if you make a mistake... Everybody in school is going to know. Everybody. And not everybody has the thick skin when you're 17, 18, 19 to be able to handle that. And so a lot of people say, well, you know, this new generation is much softer. You know, I think they're going to grow up a lot harder than we did. That's just my honest opinion. I think, there are, I think this generation, while there's all this technology, there's all this convenience, they're going to grow up with more social difficulties than any generation in history because there's a different level of accountability and so again if you are feeling that way call somebody you don't have to be ashamed you don't have to be and i remember being 19 years of age man where i was so far away from where i needed to be every step i took was in the right direction that's how bad it was and there were a lot of people worse off than me uh, but i share that just because i think it's important to understand i think you write and perform songs like this to promote discussion and dialogue. And we as the adults have to be willing to have that dialogue with young people. That's one thing that I've always impressed upon my children. If anybody ever hurts you, you tell me. If anybody ever comes at you, bullies you, teases you, you tell me. And we'll get it taken care of. And that doesn't mean me going down there and being the Karen or the Chad or whatever and, you know, and raising seven shades of hell at the guidance council. And sometimes that's necessary. But more times than not, I'm going to sow seeds in my kids. It's okay, here's how we're going to handle this. Here's what we're going to do. And here's how you need to do this. Because I'm a parent. And my kids will tell you I'm, I'm, I'm probably the cool parent. But I'm not their friend. Now, I'm friendly to them. And I love them. And I tell them all the time. I love them, but I'm their parent. I think it's one of the biggest disconnects in America today.
We're not parents anymore. I guess I'm old school. All right, number seven on the list, we talk about these videos being incredible productions, and uh, this is one that had a huge budget. And if you've ever seen it, I'm sure you have. It had the lovely and talented, the amazing Stephanie Seymour of uh, Sports Illustrated Swimsuit fame. She was also an international model at the time, Daddy and Axel Rose, and one of the subjects of the, uh, the film, November Rain from Guns N' Roses. Incredible. One of the acts, believe it or not, people, people don't know this. This was actually written like towards the end of the Appetite for Destruction sessions. Like the very first demo of this dates back. You know, so this was something that Axel Rose had kind of had on his mind for years and years and years. But uh, November Rain, basically a short film, not just a music video. Phenomenal, man. And I love that shot of Slash walking out of the church playing a guitar solo out in the middle of nowhere. Phenomenal. Number six. Now, they could probably shoot this video today with a lot less expense than they did years ago. It's the first ever music video from the great rock band Metallica. And I don't know if the song itself was based on the movie or if the movie just kind of meshed with uh, you know, the brainchild of James Hetfield. But they bought the footage of this old movie that did very little in production uh, on the big screen, a, a movie called Johnny Got His Gun. And... It's the song One, Metallica's One, it's the video. And uh, it talks about, you know, a guy that's basically is just one because he, he's, you know, can't, can't see, can't hear. He's just there existing, doesn't have any quality of life. And so they bought that, and it was incredibly powerful. And it's like you see the guy, like, doing Morse code with his head, and, of course, it looks like he's headbanging, you know, and so it was a pretty good match. But it's a very sad story. Uh, but some interesting visuals in that video. And that, when Metallica wrote that, they said, oh, we're not going to do any more videos. This is it. We're going to remain underground. They did do videos after that and uh, became kind of a mainstay on MTV for a while. And that, that song, too, really kind of brought them into the mainstream. A lot of people maybe had never – they didn't play Metallica on the radio. That's what people don't understand. They didn't play thrash on the radio much at all in the 80s. I think Metallica kind of paved the way because all of a sudden people realized, hey, these guys are okay. They just play a little harder and faster than everybody else. All right, number five. I, I've never been a big fan of this artist, but this video is the most played video in MTV history. And every time it came on, I didn't want to watch it, but I would. I would because there was all this claymation and animation and all this video, video, uh, visual imagery, goodness gracious, that uh, was very entertaining. Even though I didn't care for the song, the video was outstanding. It's Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer. I know some of you are like, Steve, how could you not like Peter Gabriel? I, I didn't choose it. I, I didn't. I didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm not going to like Peter Gabriel anymore. I, it, the music just didn't do anything for me. There's a few songs that are okay, but this one is the one. Sledgehammer. Number four. Now, we could do a top ten list of Michael Jackson videos. We could. Now, remember, The Time is one that was basically a short film, too. Magic Johnson, all, there was all these cameo appearances in there. It was incredible. If you can find Remember the Time, the long version on YouTube, I encourage you to watch it. That's not on our list today. Then it was black and white. I remember that they did that uh, morphing thing between faces, and it was incredible. And black and white, again, kind of an important song, too, you know. Uh, but Michael Jackson, the people around Michael, it wasn't just because of his talent. The guy was very well packaged. And so the record company, the agents, everybody around there, it was such a big event. Like if you remember, I remember when Bad, the song Bad, the video was released. 
Wesley Snipes is in the video. Wesley Snipes is kind of the uh, antagonist. And the next thing you know, it's like there's this there's this rumble that turns into a, uh, a dance-off. Interesting. But anyway, Michael Jackson, those guys, really changed the game with Thriller. And then they, they, like they sold the video, like you could buy it. There's like the making of Thriller on here. And so people would have like lock-ins and stuff, and people would watch it. Or we'd go to people's house. Oh, they, oh we're going to go to so-and-so's house tonight. Oh, what are we doing? Oh, we're watching Thriller. Oh, okay, cool. I think it was like a 13-minute video, but there was all this other stuff on there. And it became this phenomenon because – there was like this movie in it. It was so incredibly well done. And I think that's what laid everybody else. is like, you know what? We got to do a better job packaging our music here. So Michael Jackson's Thriller is number four. Vincent Price, a part of the song and the video. Pretty phenomenal effort there too. And so again, that's one of his videos too that really changed the direction of MTV. Number three, and maybe I'm being a homer here. Maybe I'm being a little bit, uh, it's my list anyway, right? I don't want to. But, you know, I think for a while we had kind of lost creativity in music videos. And we got it back with Soundgarden and Chris Cornell, Black Hole Sun. If you've never seen that video, you should. It's crazy. There's all this wild imagery in there. I, I used to joke that whoever did this was probably high when they put it together. It's almost like an Alice in Wonderland type deal. Like, you, 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 know, you go down the rabbit hole, next thing you know, it's, it's all this crazy stuff. So Black Hole Sun, a phenomenal song and video. And you may not know this, too, on my Chris Cornell leg sleeve, which I have. My left leg is Chris Cornell all the way from knee to ankle. I've got sheet music for Black Hole Sun. All right, number two, and this, this was like the first huge video on MTV. And when you look back at now, it's kind of silly, and there's, there's even some, you know, like nowadays you've got to bleep some of these words out because life has changed, thankfully, in many respects. But when this video came out, it was like, you had this animation where you had these characters that were kind of like in, like, how, how did they do that? How did they get these little stick figures involved? And they had this crazy stuff for these effects they did. I'm talking money for nothing from Dire Straits. And Mark Knopfler, of course, picking that incredible guitar riff out. But basically, it even mentions MTV, and maybe that's why MTV played it all the time, you know. But it was crazy. And they played it all the time. And it really made Dire Straits famous in many respects. That they were just kind of a kind of an underground band in many respects. They were a good live band, and all of a sudden they were introduced to a national audience. So, money for nothing from Dire Straits. But number one, and I don't know how it could be anything else. When they had the first Video Music Awards, they basically swept. They were a category they were nominated for. And you watch the video today, and it's still amazing. Even though technology has changed, and even though things have pushed forward, and there's all these things nowadays that makes it so much easier to animate and edit videos, but AHA's take on me, to me, is still the gold standard. And you got to think, too, as kids of the 80s, we're sitting here watching this, and we're like, how in the world are they doing this? Of course, this was like kind of in the infancy of computers. You know, back in those days, the only people that had computers were like NASA and the government. The government? But these people had figured out how to put all this animation together. And I can only begin to imagine how much time and effort it had to, had to go into this because considering how rudimentary everything was back then, how basic it all was, it is amazing. And basically you have the, the love interest that is like part of a comic book 
and the girl's reading the comic book, and the next thing you know, they're they're connected. And it's like she's in real life, and he in the mirror. There he is as a comic book character, and it's all like it's it's amazing. Even now, it just, it blows your mind. But that video really kind of changed everything, you know, for for these other artists. It's like, hey, if we want to get into heavy rotation, if we want to be on you know the lips of every record buyer in the country or in the world for that matter, we've got to be more creative visually with these videos. So it wasn't just, hey, here's a video of uh, so-and-so you're performing your latest hit, which was always cool. But if you really wanted to get some buzz going, you had to have an incredible video. This is the one. This is the one that really, in many respects, made everybody up to Andy. It's one thing like when Michael Jackson does it, you know, the king of pop, like, oh, well, yeah, it's Michael Jackson. But AHA was basically nobody. They were absolutely nobody, and they took America by storm. And everybody knows the song. And, and honestly, I think the song uh, Alive and Kicking is better. But the biggest hit is Take On Me by AHA, and it's because of the power of this video. And again, it changed everything. Because now all of a sudden, it wasn't just the established artist that were raising the bar. All of a sudden, you found out you could be a relative nobody, but if you had a great video, you were going to get airplay. So innovative groundbreaking thanks roy for the suggestion if you have ideas for the top 10 list reach out and let us know best thing to do is to hit roy up at dogmatic67 that's eight eight at d-a-w-g-m-a-t-i-c-6-7 and you can find these great lists on spotify we do tweet them out we share them on facebook uh, always appreciate your feedback even if you don't agree it's okay i, I am perfectly okay with you being wrong but uh if you've got ideas, let us know. Happy to do it. Roy keeps a pretty list, good, pretty good list. You know, these engineers in their list. You know, he kind of keeps me on my toes here. Kind of make sure, hey, we, we've done this and we hadn't done this one. And, and amazingly, every so often, somebody will suggest somebody. I'm thinking, surely we've done this. Nope, we haven't. We keep a meticulous list. And again, we're coming up on 400 of these things. How about that? 400 top 10 lists in just over two years. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. If you are unfamiliar with them, you need to familiarize yourself with the great Mississippi State merchandise that is available for purchase at Campus Bookmart. Go by and see their smiling faces, the lovely, talented Susie, Miss Kathy Brown, Miss Pam Minyard. Everybody there will treat you like family because in their minds you are family when you go to Campus Bookmart. The new bully shop has been completely renovated. It's all upstairs now. The best selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the known universe. If you can't make it to town, you can peruse their fine selections at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's Campus Bookmart. .net, promo code BSR. Okay, let's talk defense. Now, this front that Mississippi State is going to put out there is a good group. Jaden Cromedy's doing some big things. Nathan Pickering's doing some good things. Cam Young's doing some big things. Jordan Davis has done some big things, even though he was in the pit yesterday. You know, Tyrus, we, we kind of walk him up as an edge rusher at times. We're going to be good up front. We're going to be good against the run. That's one thing, too, I think is going to keep us in a lot of ball games. I think we're going to make teams at somewhat one-dimensional. Now, you go back and think about in 2020. Even though we had some good moments on defense, we were not consistent, especially in the secondary. I mean, goodness, guys, if we have one SEC safety down the stretch in 2020, we beat Georgia and Ole Miss. 
because who could blame them? There'd be times they couldn't run the football against us. They'd just say, you know what, let's just chunk it downfield. Maybe we get a flag. Maybe we got a guy making a catch. And you had SEC-quality receivers, you know, paired up with some guys that were career special teamers for us, and God bless them, they did the best they could. They just couldn't get there. Well, you've had an influx of talent here in the offseason, especially in that secondary. And I think that because of the fact that we're going to be able to stop the run, we're going to have people kind of throw it into the teeth of that secondary that is this should be much better. But it all starts up front. I like our group. I like how we're operating. You know, we didn't have a lot of guys available in the spring. We had some guys that uh, missed some time, you know, to kind of come back from injury. Well, now they're back. Got to keep everybody healthy. But we've got some guys up front. They're veterans. They got a lot of SEC snaps under their belt. And Jaden Crumity, I think, is the bell cow of that group. Now, Cam Young, of course, is the guy that sheds blocks and fits gaps and kind of moves the line of scrimmage backwards. We get depth on a defensive line. We do. And that's not just to say, okay, well, your offensive line is still a work in progress. We got some dudes up front, and I think they're going to make that offensive line better because they're going to be going up against veteran SEC guys. They're going to be comparable talent-wise to what they're going to see each and every Saturday. I'm excited about that group. I'm excited to see the defense play. You should be too. Now, linebacker-wise, you know, Deshaun Page missed a couple days of practice. He was in uh, non-contact yellow yesterday. I think that's probably part of the acclimation with him. I don't know of an injury with him. He had a very good spring. Matt Brock has told us that uh, he was the most improved linebacker in the spring. And I think that's a big part of things. I think having guys that can play as depth guys are going to be a huge part of things. Because I've shared with you guys routinely, my biggest concern, not just on defense, but really the entire team, is our depth at linebacker. Nick Mitchell out there, I thought he had an up and down day yesterday. That's a younger guy that's got to step up and provide some depth. He has to. He's not as big and physical as some of the other guys, but that's a guy that's going to have to grow up pretty quick for us. Uh, J.P. Purvis, a guy, a phenomenal athlete. Talked about him earlier this week. Seeing him do some decent things. Of course, he was somewhat limited yesterday. Finally looks like he's found a home position-wise. We weren't sure if he was a safety, if he was going to be an outside backer. I think he's absolutely going to be an outside backer. And, and Nathan Watson told us yesterday that he's been really impressed with J.P.'s progress. But when you look around the, the room there, I think you feel great about the frontline guys. Ty Wheat, Bookie Watson, Jed Johnson, you know what you're getting there. What do you get behind them? Well, there's Deshaun Page, and there's John Lewis. And John Lewis uh, had a big pick yesterday on a uh, tip drill. Picked it off. Uh, Going to be good. Going to be a good one. Um, I think the reality of it is we have the athletes – at linebacker, we just need to get some experience. We just need to get some guys, some game reps, and kind of allow them to, to kind of earn some confidence and kind of learn how to play in the SEC. But that frontline group, provided we stay healthy, I think we're going to be as good as we have been at linebacker. And I do think having Matt Brock coach the unit collectively, have one coach for linebackers, because, you know, Matt coached Sam and then coached special teams. I think now he's fully committed to linebackers. I think that's a good thing. Now, the secondary, that was one of the question marks kind of coming in. And we addressed it in the offseason. You go out and you get Jackie Matthews. You get Marcus Banks. 
Uh, you get Hunter Washington, and I think Hunter's down the depth chart a little bit, but uh, that's a guy, too, a bit of a squat corner, I've told you guys before. Not really built like the rest of the corners. After a week of camp, it's DeCam and Emmanuel Forbes running with the first team. Marcus Banks, though, is making that awfully interesting. I thought Marcus Banks had his best day on campus yesterday. That's a guy that plays with a real edge. And even though he's not the biggest guy, that's a guy that will bring the heat. That's a guy that will get downhill on you. When he squares you up, you know it. He had a couple of really big hits yesterday, and, and one or two especially in the Palmero Center, that uh, drew some oohs and ahs from all the observers, not just us in the media, but guys, you know, football guys, guys that see it every day. It's supposed to be light to moderate contact. It's not. They do get after each other. I thought Banks – I would venture to say right now, Banks may be your most physical corner. And I don't mean that to impress coverage, but I mean, you know, kind of getting downhill and being a tackler. I got it strong at the point of contact. You can see why Alabama recruited Marcus Banks. You can see why Marcus Banks was so highly regarded out of high school. And you can see why Alabama wanted him back. It's in a situation where a guy got processed. I mean, down the stretch last year, Alabama needed him and didn't have him and ended up having to play some younger guys. And I think in the end, it probably cost Alabama an NFL championship because Georgia's wide receivers, their ones were just better than Alabama's twos, a defensive back. But Marcus Banks is really coming on. Sean Preston has done some nice things. Sean's always been a really good run stopper. He's a guy that's not scared to get in there and play physical in the box. Coverage has kind of been a bit of a concern at times. I think he's played pretty well. I think he's getting out doing some good things. But the best safety in my mind right now is Jackie Matthews. Wrote about him earlier today. Jackie is probably the fastest safety, and it's not just because of foot speed. It's his ability to process information. This is a guy that diagnoses plays well. He flows to the football. He understands that game one of defense is go get the football. This is a guy that only knows one gear, and that's wide open. They'll swing an out route out there, and he'll be trailing maybe half a step, and he lays out and breaks it up. Nearly picked off a couple passes yesterday that I thought he had no chance to defend, much less get his hands on. So very excited about him. Jalen Green is doing some nice things. And I'll tell you, the thing about Jalen Green that I think is important too is you're beginning to see the athleticism that made him a five-star and a high school All-American really emerge. He did some good things for us last year. And I think last year, again, was about kind of learning, you know, where do I fit, what do I do? He's not thinking as much this year. He's just reading and reacting. And so I think, again, this influx of talent from the portal has been a great thing. Colin Duncan, it's a guy still running first team, and there were a lot of people last year that kind of picked on Colin. And I think I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think he's improved, but also I think the players around him have been better. I think that's a big part of it too. You know, the people last year tried to kind of set some alignments to kind of get their guy, their best guy matched up on Colin Duncan. I think, again, Colin has improved, but also, too, I think that defensively and schematically, the guys around him, he's not going to have to cover quite as long. And this is a guy, too, we added late in that, that final class with Joe Moorhead but uh, has put some things together. I guess the first full class with Joe. But uh, Colin is a guy, too, that when you look at him physically, you kind of get an idea that this is a guy that's really committed himself to getting better. Uh, I like our group. Uh, I mentioned Dylan Lawrence earlier in the show. Uh, He's going to be a solid two-deeper for us. And you see that guy running around out there, you know, 6'4", 6'5". And that guy's tough to throw over. 
And if you get a bit loose and fast with ball placement, he's going to make you pay for it. I expect this defense to produce a lot more turnovers. I think we're going to be better rushing the passer. They're going to be very good stopping the run. But I think the secondary is more in line with what we expect it to be. And you've got some guys now from other programs that have Power 5 experience that are now part of your program that uh, maybe are a little bit farther along in the developmental bell curve than maybe some of your younger guys. Your Corey Ellington is a guy that played last year some as a true freshman, which is a surprise to a lot of people. Your Corey Ellington, when I saw him in high school, you know, he, he, there wasn't much to him. He played really hard, but physically he wasn't put together perhaps the way you'd expect an SEC guy to be. You look at him now, completely different player. He'll be a two-deeper as well. He'll be in the rotation. And one of the things that excites me about this group is because you have such depth is I think your coverage units on special teams can be better. You're going to have some of these linebackers that maybe don't know their keys just yet, but they have the athleticism to run down and blow somebody up. And then you look at the secondary and the fact that, you know, we, like last year we had basically three corners, three and a half, I guess, counting uh, Furge, and Furge is the guy too that, uh, you know, we just can't run him off. You know, he, he's a guy that just keeps coming and keeps coming, and you know what, I think he's just happy to be able to be a part of it and continue to play. The kid plays hard. He's not the most gifted kid athletically, but he gives you everything he's got. That's a guy that can that find a home on special teams. If I had to call it today, a two deep a corner, you know, it's DeCam and Forbes, and then it's probably Marcus Banks and Furge, and then DeCarlos Nicholson. That's a guy that I think will eventually win that that second spot, maybe behind uh, maybe behind Forbes. But you've got a lot more options at corner than you had last year. So not last year, maybe you had three guys you could really count on. I think you've got maybe five this year. I think Darcel McBath has flipped that room, and I think people can afford to be excited about the group. And so that's your breakdown today. And, again, you know, we won't have practice on Thursday, so we won't be quite as detailed with this on Friday because we're not going to have as much practice. Now, if anything happens today, we're certainly going to talk about it on Friday. And this will be our last practice until we get into Friday. And, of course, Friday, of course, that's uh, the Chris Parson announcement day. I think it's 430 Central. I think that's correct. So we'll be at camp, but Paul Jones will have you covered over at jeanspage.com. We'll have our stories ready to go. And, again, you can go watch that live. But uh, we'll be back out there on Friday. The day before the scrimmage probably be a little bit of a lighter practice, I suspect, as we get ready to go to the stadium on Saturday. But we've talked about all summer – how eager we are to go cheer for something. And people are like, well, I'm just not really excited about football yet. It's time to get excited about football. And, I, and I'm, I'm impressed with what we've been able to do so far in practice. And it's not a situation where, like, oh, the offense is just running over the defense. And you begin to ask yourself, well, is the defense not any good? There's been a lot of give and take. The receiver will make a play. And the next thing you know, the DB will make a play. It's been very back and forth. Offensive line will win, defensive line will win. And I really like watching that inside run drill we do. I think that gives you a pretty good indication of how tough and physical your offensive line is going to be. You know what you have on defense. You know what you have up front. And to watch those guys get out there and get some wins I think is really big. So that's your update on defense. And, uh, again, I'm excited about the group. I think this is going to be a year, you know, maybe, and maybe this is a hot take, but I'll live with it. This might be the best defense we've had since 2018, and that's, that's a group that had three first-round draft picks on it. Now, do we have three first-round draft picks on this defense? I don't think so. But I think you've got maybe some second-day guys. I think Forbes could be a second-day guy. And maybe one of those D-linemen, maybe Crumbity. But you've got some future pro guys on this team. 
But I think as a unit, they're going to play really well. Now, that 18 defense is probably one of the best ones that we've had since the Jackie Sherrill era. We had a couple of really good ones under uh, Coach Kroom, too. I think this group athletically is the best without question that we've had in the last uh, you know four years, certainly since 2018. You don't have a Jeff Simmons. You don't. You don't have that guy that just kind of makes everybody around him better because he occupies so much attention. But this is a group I think can be really, really good. And I think, again, that, that's going to keep you in ball games. I think that keeps you from getting down in ball games like we did against Auburn and against Louisiana Tech. And that, in turn, I think makes your offense that much more efficient. You're going to get more possessions. You're not going to have to be quite so deliberate and predictable on offense. Uh, and I don't think you have to have that same level of uh, really reckless abandoned late in ball games because I, I, really, I venture to say – if we had had this secondary last year, you're going to beat Arkansas. That final drive, right, when they go down and score, that doesn't happen with the secondary. I think a safety play is going to be that much better. I think it's important to understand that. So hopefully you enjoyed uh, that breakdown. Again, Friday we'll have some notes from Wednesday's practice, but again, no practice on Thursday. Final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. You know uh, Portico – is connected with our friend Brooks Bryan. Brooks, a fantastic person, former Mississippi State baseball player. I never use the phrase former dog or former bulldog because there's no such thing. Even guys that transfer in some respects, I still wish them the best. Appreciate their contributions to Mississippi State. Brooks, part of two College World Series teams, trying to make Starkville an even better place to live. Part of this great group bringing this wonderful residential development portico to Starkville. Listen, easy to get to. Conveniently located just 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. You turn off of 82 on to 12. The very first right is Pat Station Road. You take that, go through the four-way stop, boom, there you are, Portico. Easy to find. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. Phase one's completely sold out. Your new neighbors are already enjoying their time here in Starkville. Ten houses in phase two under construction now. That, that should be – we get some cooperation from the weather. You know, that, those, brought, those homes will be finished sooner rather than later. A couple of those are already sold. I uh, got a custom – cut a couple, couple of custom builds in there. So if you're looking to maybe pick out your lot, pick out your house plans, you can do that. There's some things that maybe are important to you that you have to have in your primary residence. They can accommodate you. Give Brooks Bryan a call today for more information. 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Make Portico your next move. All right, in the time we have left, we're going to take a preview of an SEC team and a Mississippi State opponent. It's Kentucky. I'm not a Kentucky fan. Now, they had a good year last year, but I think when you look at the schedule, too, you know, they found a way to win some close ball games, but also, too, Kind of precariously won, but a win's a win, right? That's all that counts is you win. Just win, baby. It's what Al Davis has taught us. As wild and crazy as he got toward the end of his career, just win. That's what Kentucky does. They don't always have a lot of style points, but they win. Let's take a quick look back at last year. I think that's an important place to start, right? And people forget, you know, it's like Mississippi State won that game last year. You beat NC State, you beat Kentucky, you have 10-win teams. You know, it's like sometimes people forget the quality of the wins. They remember the big comebacks because they were so dramatic and so unexpected. But you forget the fact that you just kind of routinely went out there 
and handled things and you hammered Kentucky and you hammered NC State and really controlled those games for the, the second half. But last year, Kentucky opened up with a win over the Warhawks of Louisiana Monroe, 45-10. They snuck by Missouri, 35-28. The Missouri defense, we didn't know at that time was going to be that bad. I really thought Missouri would win that game. They didn't. Kentucky won. The next week, Kentucky struggles against UT Chattanooga. It took a late rally to beat the Mocs in Lexington, 28-23. And I think then you begin to realize, okay, maybe this Kentucky team's not quite what we thought it would be. They go to South Carolina the next week. They beat them 16-10. Wasn't, wasn't surprised by that. South Carolina, of course, turned some things around. And I think they're, they're probably thinking, hey, we probably should have won that game. Kentucky's thinking, well, you didn't. All right, the next week they beat Florida. 20 to 13 in Lexington. And, you know, Dan Mullen owned Kentucky for most of his tenure here at Mississippi State, but Stoops has kind of figured some things out in recent years against Dan Mullen and the uh, zone read offense. The next week, I thought for sure LSU would go in there and run all over Kentucky. They didn't. Will Levis with a great game against the Tigers, they went 42 21. The next week, they go to Sanford and lose against Georgia, 30-13. Then they get the week off. So they show up at Mississippi State with a 6-1 and one record and people expecting them to just run over us. I thought Kentucky was good. I didn't think they were great. I thought we would win. We did, 31-17. It really wasn't a competitive game after the first quarter. Uh, you know, They had the big punt return that basically was their only highlight of this game in many respects. State pretty much did what they wanted to do. The next week, they bounced back and they had this big game against Tennessee, and, and it was an offensive juggernaut uh, for Tennessee. And Josh Heupel and those guys win it late, 45-42. They blast Vanderbilt, 34-17. Then they beat New Mexico State, 56-16. And I picked them to lose against Louisville, I guess it's because I'm a hater. But they destroyed Louisville, 52-21. And then they win the Citrus Bowl against Iowa, and you're like, hey, you know, what, a, what a great year it was you know, for Kentucky. They lost three games last year to Georgia, Mississippi State, and Tennessee. One of Mississippi State's best wins last year. And you begin to look around, okay, well, what's left for Kentucky this year? Well, Will Levis is back. I don't share the same opinion other people do. Now, does he project well on the next level? Yeah, he does. He's a big physical guy that uh, has some dual threat ability. He can tuck it and go, and, he, and you can call some, uh, you know, some run plays, some design quarterback runs for him. Going to be a different deal. Different offensive coordinator this year. Wondell Robinson is gone, um, and, and that's big too. Wondell Robinson was an absolute dude. But they brought in another NFL guy, uh, Rich Gangarello from the 49ers ran a similar scheme to what a lot of NFL teams do. So a new scheme, some new wrinkles. We'll see how things go. Not the same level of skill. And when you lose a guy like Wondell Robinson, who is a difference maker, you don't just, you know, oh, okay, we'll just plug the next guy up. I don't know, it sounds good. It didn't work that way. Uh, they did get a transfer in from uh, Tavion Robinson from Virginia Tech. Um yeah, so we'll see how things go there. But uh, I just don't think they have the same level of skill. They've got some young guys that are going to have to play. And I think that's big. Young guys, especially in a de- against a defense like ours, where 
you're going to have to work shorter and quicker to the quarterback. you got to get in his head. And I thought State really made Will Levis look uh, kind of pedestrian last year. Really got to him, got some pressure on him, forced him into some early throws. And, again, you don't have Wondell Robinson this year to kind of bail you out. So how this wide receiver group matures over the course of the season will probably define the Kentucky season. I don't think there's any question. Now, running back's a little different deal. You got, you got some dudes up there. It always seems Kentucky – give Kentucky credit. They're a team that consistently under Mark Stoops has a hard-nosed, one-cut runner that will gash you if you don't fit gaps. You know, we saw it with Benny Snell. And now you've got uh, Chris Rodriguez. And uh, if, I, if memory serves me correct, Smoke is back too. And it seems like that kid's been there forever. But this is an offense that maybe doesn't wow you, but they should be fairly efficient. Because they have, they, they have the, the scheme to kind of utilize the skill set of Will Levis to kind of get him out there and allow him to be a guy that can make plays as a runner and a passer. You just worry a little bit, though, if you're going to run him a lot, what happens to the passing element when he gets a little bit nicked up and banged up. So, again, I think this offense will be good. I don't think they'll be great. And they'll put up some big numbers early in the schedule, but uh, – you know, but again, this is a team, you know, with all, with all this offensive line, you know, pedigree, and they, say, well, they lost a couple guys last year. But uh, I, I've just come to a point where I just expect Kentucky to have good offensive lines. I, I just do. All right, so let's look at this defensive stuff. All right, so they had some guys last year that kind of moved on, and I tell you this, <laughs> you know, I, I was so happy to think about DeAndre Square moving on. But he's coming back. He's taking his COVID year and coming back. That linebacker, DeAndre Square, that guy can really play. I think he's the heart and soul of that defense. Of course, the former Ole Miss Rebel, Jacquez Jones, is there. Uh, that secondary is a little bit of, of a question mark, though. And that's been the real issue with them. Is how, What does the secondary look like kind of moving forward? Uh, again, we'll kind of see how things progress. But um, I, I just think this Kentucky team up front, going to have some big-bodied guys. And Mark Stoops kind of recruits to that. That, that era, you know, uh, Josiah Hayes from Mississippi will be there. Need him to be a dude. I've never been a big fan of his. I was okay with him going to Kentucky, you know, and then he's played some too and made some plays. But um, this is a group, and it was pretty highly touted coming out, but it's going to be time. Yeah, but, again, these linebackers I think will be really good against a run. I think they match up well uh, with rushing teams. I don't think they match up really well. Uh, in the secondary. Another former Ole Miss Rebel, Kedron Smith, joins the secondary for them. Does he play at safety? Probably so. Uh, so we'll see how things go. But uh, real questions there at corner. They tried to hit the portal and get some guys in. I just think this secondary struggled against Mississippi State last year. I expect them to struggle against Mississippi State this year. There's a reason they went into the portal and tried to find some guys, and it's because they didn't have any. Kind of like us, right? And so the strength of the secondary is going to be reliant very much on the quality of the transfers that come in. And, you know, Kedron Smith wasn't great at Ole Miss. Maybe to change the scenery will do him good. Well, let's take a quick look at this year's schedule. And, again, Will Levis should have a good year. I just don't think that uh, – I would not – He's to me, he's not third-best quarterback in this league. He might be the third-best NFL prospect. I don't think he's the third-best college quarterback in the Southeastern Conference. There's a, there's a distinction. All right, so they open up against Miami, Ohio. That should be a W. They have to go to the Swamp. 
I would probably have to pick Kentucky here, but you know what? You know Florida will be up for that game. Now, and one of the reasons that I favor Kentucky in this game, Billy Napier runs a lot of the same offensive fundamentals that Dan Mullen does. Now, that's not to say you can just take the game plan you've used against Mullen the last couple of years, but I think you can just tweak it a little bit. They'll be ready to go. But that'll be an interesting ballgame. So let's give them a W there. Could be a loss. It's a toss-up. I like to give them a W there. They get Youngstown State, the Penguins the next week. That's a W. They get Northern Illinois, the Huskies the next week. That's a W. There's no reason to think they won't be at least 3-1, and one, but likely 4-0 and oh when they head to Oxford. And Ole Miss should probably be undefeated too, unless they slip up against Georgia Tech. And if Ole Miss loses anything in the first half of the schedule, it's going to be a difficult year. That will probably be like an SEC Nation game, right? That, that'll be a huge game within our conference because you probably have two undefeated top 15 teams at that point. I'm going to pick Ole Miss to win this game because I think Ole Miss is going to be able to throw the football. I don't think Ole Miss is going to be quite as prolific as we are, but I think they will be able to test that Kentucky secondary. So let's give that W to Ole Miss, which would make them 4-1. They then welcome South Carolina. I told you guys last year, as much as I like Shane Beamer, I thought last year was a little bit of a fluke. I think they're a little bit ahead of schedule. I don't see them going into South into Kentucky and winning. Now, with Spencer Rattler, that could be a great equalizer. You know, we'll see. But I think that's I think that's a W for for the Gamecocks. So that would make them five and one with State coming in. We're going to win the game. I'm going to go ahead and say it now. We are not a good matchup for them. You know, football is about matchups. They're a team that's going to want to run the football. We're going to be able to stop the run. We're a team that wants to throw the football. They're a team that struggles to stop the pass. We are the worst matchup for Kentucky. You know, throw the talent differential against like Georgia and places like that out the window. But if you just want to look at schematically, Mississippi State is not a good matchup for Kentucky. Just not. And I think last year showed it. I think many of those same elements of last year's game will come over. Because it's not like, oh, well, Mississippi State does this with their blocking scheme and there's this and they run this counter trade and this is how they do that. We just beat you one-on-one. There's a lot of option routes in this offense. And you've got some guys in your secondary that are kind of figuring it out. We're going to win the game, which makes them 5-2. and two. All right, then they're off. They go to Tennessee. I got Tennessee winning that game. I think Tennessee, I think the talent differential will show up here. And I think Tennessee also will be a team that can uh, can throw the football around a little bit. I think Hooker is very, very, very fun to watch. So, we'll kind of see how things go there. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, so, so I've got them five and two going to Tennessee and five and three coming out. Then they'll beat Missouri, which will make them 6-3, to three, even though that game's in Columbia. But that's, again, a bit of a toss-up. I mean, Missouri's defense was so bad last year, especially up front. But I'm going to give them the W there. Then they beat Vandy, and then they will lose to Georgia. That game's in Lexington, and I'm sure it'll be hyped up. And there are a lot of people, oh, well, Lexington, Kentucky's going to beat them. It's like, I just don't see it. I just think the talent is just simply too much. And by the time they get there, I think Kentucky will be out of the race for the East. And then the next week, they're going to host the Louisville Cardinals. 
So I've got them going eight and four. Good team, not great team. And again, I think when you look at this, you know, what who are the prolific passing teams they're going to play? Well, Florida's going to be a ground and pound team under Billy Napier. Ole Miss is going to throw it around. So I got Ole Miss winning. South Carolina is going to be kind of a dual threat type team. So that could be a bit of a toss up, but I got Kentucky winning. State's going to throw it forever. I got them losing that game. Tennessee is going to be very good in, in the vertical passing game. So I got them losing that game. I just think Georgia gets them on talent differential. And Georgia also, too, going to have one of the better collections of wide receivers that anybody's going to see this year. And so, again, it's about matchups. It's not about preseason expectations. It's about, okay, this is a detriment to our ability to win. Who can exploit that deficiency? And I think that Kentucky secondary that was so leaky last year is going to be similar to it was last year because you say, well, Steve, we, we went to portal too. The quality of defensive backs that we got out of the portal are far superior to what Kentucky got. And again, that's my opinion. But I think this is a Kentucky defense that will be pretty good against a run. And those linebackers are going to be outstanding, I suspect. They'll be very productive. And I think they'll do really well against running teams, which is why I think Florida is probably in trouble because of those veteran guys at linebacker. But what happens on the back end? What do you do on the back end? How do you finish ball games when you have – wide receivers running wide open most of the game. And you can talk about we're going to drop eight, you can play all this zone. But I think Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Tennessee, I think the wide receivers at those programs are just going to have too much of an advantage against those Kentucky defensive backs. And you don't think Ole Miss, you know, they, they got Jack West Jones and, and Keeter and Smith both over there at Kentucky. They're going to know. Right? They're going to know what those guys' strengths and weaknesses are. And Jack West Jones did a good job. Jack West Jones at one time was supposed to commit to Mississippi State and then went to Ole Miss, right, and was productive and then left there and ends up going to Kentucky. But I just think this Kentucky team is good. I think they're also overhyped. And I don't know who at Kentucky is, like, sending out these press releases to the media. But every single year, everybody's like, hey, this is the year. And, again, give them credit last year. They won some tight ball games and ultimately had a 10-win season. I think that reverses this year. I don't think they win the tighter ball games this year. I think they're a team that's going to really struggle at times uh, to be uh, two-dimensional on offense. And I think teams that can stop the run and force them to pass will give them some trouble. And I think there will be some ugly games with Kentucky. I think there will be some games, you know, probably in the low 20s or even in the teens. So we'll see how things go. But that's my opinion. You may disagree. It's okay. But, again, I got Kentucky going 8-4, probably a good bowl game somewhere. Again, a good season, just not a lead. All right, time for us to get out of here. I got to get this thing published, and then uh, we're going to get on the road and get over to uh, Davis Wade Stadium for today's practice session. And, uh, you know, it's an important part of things, man. And I'm a firm believer in this. You play how you practice. And it sounds like a cliche. I have been to a lot of Mississippi State practices, not as many as Paul Jones, not as many as Dave Murray, certainly not as many as Mike Namath. But I think we all agree that the pace of practice and the intensity with which we practice is probably more consistent under Mike Leach than it ever has been under other coaches. I think most of us would agree with that. Now, Nemo, I may have to double-check with him. But I think what you're seeing as far as, like, not wasting time, being efficient with the time allotted – I don't know that anybody's like that. Now, I give Dan Mullen a lot of credit, too. When Dan was here, we had some very intense practices. We did. 
but there were times too that things would kind of lag a little bit. That's just not the case. There's a lot of high energy in practice, and it's not that faux energy. You know, it's like, hey, we got We only got so much time to get it done. Let's get it done. And I like watching the interaction with the coaches because those guys coach the guys down the depth chart just as hard as they do the guys that are the starters. There's an expectation. There's a standard. And so watching practice, and again, it's just practice, as Allen Iverson taught us. But I'm encouraged from what I've seen. Do I think we're going to contend for the West? No, I don't. I don't think we have the talent for that. I do think that we are going to have the best team that we have had probably since 2017. And this team might actually be better than that based on the early returns. It's so important to stay healthy, even though we've been able to kind of stockpile a little bit of depth. You know, our, our two deepers, especially on, on defense, I think are some guys too that just need to kind of go through the wars a little bit before we just kind of turn them loose. But I like the way things are progressing, and I think you guys are going to be proud of your team this year. I'm ready to go play Memphis. I'm eager to go play Memphis. And the current spread is 17. I'm not a gambling man. I expect State to cover that, and I think Mike Leach probably wants to set a statement in that game the way things happened last year. But also, too, I think it'll be good to kind of go out there and just show people, okay, we're, we're, we're for real. We're not going to be a team that's kind of chasing bow eligibility this year. Not that I expect old, uh, Memphis to be world beaters, but you want to be able to go out there and handle those guys. You don't want to go out there and win that game by seven, ten points. You know, win's a win. But I think we need to go out there and use our athleticism and our experience to kind of get after those guys. I think it's a, a very, very important part of things. And, again, tip of the cap, Tyson Brown and his staff, your team looks great. They look like an SEC football team. Let's get out of here. I'll see you guys back here on Friday. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.